Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Rebel, coming from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. I'm recording this intro on my phone. Um, this is a really great episode. We've got Sergio Anello, who's got a new solo record out called A Hodgepodge of Modern Furniture and Antiques that is out now on Sunday Drive Records. Sergio plays bass in the band The Early November, which is pretty freaking cool. This is um, a lot of fun. This is a really fun episode. We talk about this documentary that I love that was uh, from way back called Bad Surge of the Young, and there's this hype, this very specific scene that Sergio is in, and it was such a trip down memory lane. Um, this is a great episode. So we got connected by past guest Dana Bolin, who hosts the Two Weeks Notice podcast. He's also the tour manager for Piebald. Uh, check out that podcast if you're not. It, there's pretty much every musician, if you like this kind of music at this point, has been on that podcast, and pretty much everyone who played Furnace Fest. So shout out to Dana. Thank you for connecting us. Uh, this was a ton of fun to do. Um, I'm just obsessed with Sergio's voice. He just sounds like, he reminds me of one of my best friends, Eric Francello. Uh, just something in the water in like South Jersey, that South Jersey raspiness. I absolutely love it. Sergio, you've got to start a podcast. But in the meantime, check out his new record. It's so fucking good. Um, definitely gave me the feels a lot. Like He was super nice and gave me an advanced copy of the record, so I'd be listening to it to get prepared. A couple times I'd be listening to like um, listening to it, like driving to or from work, and be like, "Why am Why am I crying right now?" But it, it's a beautiful record. I definitely recommend everyone check that out. It's so wonderful. Um, this is a great episode. If you're a fan of like that golden age drive-through records, like I'm obsessed with, we get into all of that, and it's cool. Like you know, me, me and Sergio are the same age. We're both part of the same music scene on a completely different. Uh, I, I'm I'm the fan that dude fucking joined a band that got really successful pretty quick, uh, you know, relatively quick, and, um, you know, got to tour with, like, Fall Out Boy and shit like that and get to meet Skojo and uh, crazy stories. Um, and also we got to talk about, like, life after the band, which I always, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Like, what do you do when, like, you know, being in a band is awesome, but that's not always a transferable skill set. So that's really, uh, that was stuff was really fun. I have to give a big thank you to our good friend, Robbie Sherman, for being our sound engineer. You know, this episode doesn't sound as well as I would like it to. Um, that is not Robbie's fault. That is my fault. I promise you. I gave Robbie a piling, steaming, hot piece of garbage audio file. Um, my equipment broke. Sergio and I had set this up like a bunch of times, and um, we worked really hard to make it happen, and all my equipment had just busted. I didn't know what to do. I was like, fuck it. We're just going to record it, and we'll make it work. Uh, I gave this terrible file to Robbie, and I don't know what he did, but he actually made it audible. So thank you, Robbie. From the bottom of my heart, you are incredible. You can hire Robbie Sherman as your sound engineer or any of those types of things on the old internet. Uh, we'll put a link for him in our show notes, but that's Robbie Sherman. Uh, he has a great podcast called Conversations with Robbie Sherman. And uh, another shout-out to our past guest for our episode previous, uh, Kurt. Uh, Kurt from the Half Hour Bros. Um, took a big step. He's a, Kurt's one of our Let's Chat Club members, if you're interested in joining us. Uh, shoot us a message. Uh, so Kurt, Kurt did a thing. He booked Chris Gethard, uh, past guest of this very show as well, and did a great job in his interview. Um, I think it was like their second interview. Uh, they've got like a ton of episodes, but they're, they're starting to get into com uh, the interviews. And um, just so happy to see all these people just killing it out there. So shout out to Kurt. Uh, another thank you. I got to give another thank you to another past guest, good friend of the show, Nathan Gray from Voice of Fire, twice past guest. Look for him coming back up. So 
Frank Turner is one of my favorite artists, as is Nathan. And um, he's coming to Providence this Friday, October 8th, and it's sold out. I didn't get my tickets in time. I was super bummed, so I just wasn't going to go. And then it got announced that Nathan is going to be uh, on that tour. I think he's in the opening act in the middle. And um, we were messaging on Instagram, and Nathan, being the sweetest man alive, offered me a guest list, a uh, guest spot. Uh, put me on the guest list, that's what it's called. And um, the 16-year-old version of me is freaking out right now. So I'm putting out this episode with Sergio from the early November. And on Friday, I'm seeing Frank Turner, one of my favorite artists, with Nathan Gray, one of my favorite artists. I'm on the fucking guest list, which is insane. And that same day, that Friday, I'm going to be recording a podcast with Sean, the uh, keyboardist, original OG uh, keyboardist and backup vocalist from... Big D and the Kids Table, another band that means, like, the fucking world to me. And uh, so Sean owns this great music studio and music school in Rhode Island called U-Rock Music, and we ended up getting connected. I got to go to their open house, had a ton of fun, so thank you all for having me for that. Um, I don't know, Let's Chat's really, uh, it's, it's been taken off. I had my first consulting gig. Uh, we'll be doing some proper ads for that future down the road. But, yeah, this is, a, this is officially... It's been something I wanted to make my job for a long time, and we've made those steps, but I'm officially like getting hired by companies and doing freelance gigs, and it's happening, so it's really special. I do want to send an apology to one of my closest friends from back in the day, Alicia Riley, was supposed to guest on this episode, a guest host with me on this episode. She is a early November fanatic, and due to some scheduling errors, mostly all of them on my end, sorry, Alicia, um, this episode, we had it booked like five or six times and then something would come up or maybe some of us got the dates wrong and just everything went wrong. So when, when, when Sergio and, I, Sergio and I booked it, it was like, when we were recording this, I think we had like two hours notice. It's like, hey, can you record in like two hours? Like, yes. And I was like, nothing's going to stop us. We're going to make this happen. So keep an ear out. We're going to try to get Chris Connolly from Saves Today and have her come on to that one. And Sergio, obviously, you got to come back so she can help me uh, guess those with that. So if anyone out there knows Chris Connolly and help us get in contact, let us know. That would be a really wonderful episode. We're such Saves Today fans. But again, this is just a great episode. Uh, if you want, you can find us on all the social media at Let's Chat Podcast. We have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Let's Chat Media. There you will find all of our audio versions of our Let's Chat Live, our other Patreon-only podcast that Dwight from Broken Brian and I have been doing called The Let's Chat Zeitgeist. This is really fun. We've got a few episodes out and uh, more stuff like that. Anything you can think of, just hit us up on the Internet. Uh, anything that's at Let's Chat Podcast, about the things, and uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Shout-out to our producer, Bree. We love you, and we uh, let's just get to it. I'm like I'm so I'm so curious because um, like um, you know we we got first I want to shout out to our our mutual friend uh, Dana. Uh, Dana's the best. I can't remember his last name. Uh, Dana, I just call Bowen. Yeah, that's Bowen. right. Dana Pieball, basically. I don't know yeah. If you follow, I just saw his Instagram. He's at Furnace Fest with Pieball, and he's like Furnace Fest with Pieball and special guest, and he had like every member of every band I've ever loved. And I was like, 
<laughs> yeah, he hit he hit the jackpot with going on that uh that little run because everybody's there. You know what I mean? Oh my god, dude! I was thinking I because I, I, I did an interview with him. I was like thinking afterwards. I was like, Highball must love you because your podcast is kind of in a way unintentionally just a constant advertisement for Pieball. Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's a lot of, uh, you know, talking about Pieball in between stuff, because I imagine just like me, a lot of people were and still are big fans of that band. So yeah, they're such a, they, they hold such a strange place in our scene because like hardcore kids like love them. But yeah. only like a certain era. And then, like, the, like I, I didn't find out about them until, like, way later. That was totally a band I didn't learn about until probably once they had got together, gotten, re, gotten back together. It, you know how it always is. Like, every scene is the same. You should have been here back then when it was. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, that's, uh, that's become my life when I talk about things most of the time. It's, it's, this is, I'm so stoked to talk to you for a lot of reasons. And one of them is like, cause like we have this, this parallel experience within like the same music scene around the same years, but you were a band member and I was just like on the fan side of things. But like, it seems like our timeline kind of tracked like 2002, 2003 is like, at least it seems like that's an early November kind of popped off. And like, but that's like, yeah, I think I was probably like, oh, one, 2000, late, late 2000, early oh one, going from my new metal phase, learning about like, not new metal. <laughs> I, listen, I, I was through it. I mean, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm 30. I'm 37. Yeah, I'm yeah. We're the same age. So, like, it's funny because I, I was listening to, like, whatever was on MTV at the time when you're, like, young in high school. And then it wasn't until probably, like, 15, 16 that I started, like, getting into, like, uh, not weird, but you know what I mean? Like underground bands that aren't like in your face every time you turn the television on. So yeah, same. I went through that, like where I loved like corn and limp biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Pet PE is the one that I still stand by. Oh my gosh. I haven't even heard that name in so long. It's funny. Like my buddy's still like a, one of my best friends. He's like a, a giant metal head. So like, He'll randomly be like, uh, yeah, this just came out. I'm like, that band's still around? Like, it's nuts to me. <laughs> yeah, my um, cousin Sarah is older than I am and when I was younger, and she played in this band called Unwound, but she was, like, other side of the country and far enough ahead of me-wise. But every once in a while when she would come through on tour, she would, like, turn me on to stuff. I remember I, – I was too young for it, but I remember they did a tour with Sleater Kenny – and there's a picture of my parents and like my aunts, and my uncles on the sta- side stage of Sleater Kenny at an unwound concert in Boston. So random, right? Like, you know, my parents have no idea who any of these people are. Like my dad <laughs> yeah. covering his ears. It's just, it's so funny. But yeah, the, but then at one point, uh, she's now divorced, but she was married to the singer of Red Fang, which is oh, like, wow. huge in like Europe. And I think they're actually probably doing pretty well here too. Um, yeah. But they, but so random. <laughs> it's just weird. I was like, I remember being him. He was at my wedding. He came to my wedding, and like a couple of my friends, like I had, I you know from music scene, like had various friends and stuff. And like I'm, I'm still really good friends with uh, like our band that we got really attached to was the Folly. I don't know if you knew that they're from Jersey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm familiar. I mean, I don't know like uh, their catalog, but I, I know who they are. Yeah. So like, it was the my friend Amanda is married to Jeff. So. Him and uh, so my, my cousin like was a little drunk and like walked over to Jeff and Aaron and kind of kind of nerded out a little too hard. It was pretty hilarious. 
<laughs> that's I think people find it flattering in one way or the other. Yeah, well, do you do you get that too? Because like in you know in, in some rooms you're famous, and in other rooms it's like the early what? Well, that I mean that's to me I've never thought of myself as like famous or something like that. You know what I mean? By no means. Even even in like the heyday of of being in that environment, yeah, you obviously feel like you're you're on some kind of a pedestal because you're. 19 and 20 playing in front of like a thousand people every day, which is, you know, it's still, I look back on that stuff and I got just so crazy to me how that all went, but I will like randomly be at, I mean, it hasn't been any time uh, in a while, like a social gathering. And then someone like starts like snowballing in the conversation about the band, which, which I obviously don't mind. I just always think like, I'm probably letting this person down with my conversation just because not that I'm not excited about it. It's just also weird to me to hear it um, kind of out of context, you know? Oh yeah. Cause I remember we were, we were talking before and we were texting cause um, I remember texting him like, I'm like, do you have any memory of the bastards of the young documentary? And like you, you and, cause I, I, I remember watching that on fuse and like um, I, I own it. And I remember it's so weird hearing your voice too, because there's a one scene in that documentary that sticks out and you have such like a, your voice is so specific. And I remember this one scene in the documentary and on the, the first time I heard you talk on Dana's podcast, I'm like, Oh my God. They're like, I don't know if you're, there's like a scene where you're like early November's in the green room and you're like telling some girl, like, if you came over to my house at midnight, we would totally make out. It's nothing even good, but for some reason it just stuck in my head. It's so like, I believe it or not, like, I don't remember doing anything even for that documentary. And when you brought that up when we were texting, I was like randomly going through like a, a couple days prior, like DVDs. And I'm like, why do I still have, you know, 8 million DVDs that I'm never going to watch? So I was like clearing crap out. But I had that documentary and I knew we were in it. So like, it's, you know, the nostalgia, what do you call it? Like a, a keepsake of some sort. You know, those yeah. old old band CDs that we either toured with or were, you know, early November CDs, whatever. I kept all that stuff. But I hadn't thought about that uh, DVD. You know, I probably watched it when it first came out and we got a copy of it. But it was just so random that you brought that up. And, and I had it sitting there, of all things. Yeah, it was like the secret thing because the Paulson guys were in it. Because I remember watching it on TV because we were friends with Paulson at the time. And being like, oh my god, our friends are on TV, and now I'm like, it'll be you, Heath from Census Fail, and then Jonah Bear are now three people in that documentary who have been on the show. Oh, so I like, love, I love Heath. He's the best. Oh, he's so nice. Yeah, uh, he's a great dude. Nice human being. Yeah, and then I was, and then I'm like, man, I gotta get everyone into that documentary on this show some through. And like one day, I don't know, are you in the new? I don't. Know, there's this, the New Jersey pop punk Facebook group. They um. There was one day where I did a, like, we were, pretty much everyone in that doc is pretty much in that group. So it was quite a trip down memory lane one day. Everyone's like, oh my God. And so like, I started digging up and the director who made that, like, went on to become like a really well-respected comedy director. Well, that's, that's, that's what's nuts with these things because, um, you know, like you think, uh, someone that's doing like a scene documentary, you're, you're not really, uh, typically thinking where are they going next or what are they doing, but like, you're like, what is wrong with you? I mean, I guess if they, you know, they do something that they're passionate about, it's going to be successful. So, 
I don't even know if it was successful. I think maybe we're the only people who know what it is. Or, or that too. I'm totally out of the loop with everything. Like when you said face, uh, Facebook group, I'm like, I'm one of those people that like don't have a Facebook, don't have a Twitter. So jealous. I have like an Instagram and that's it. Uh, maybe I should. It, it could potentially help more with my <laughs> solo music, but yeah. <laughs> well, that TikTok's where it's at for music now. Oh, I know. I, I say this all the time. Like if, if I wasn't, you know, trying to promote my own stuff, like I don't even think I would have social media at this point. I, I can see that. Cause yeah. So like was, was, was early November, like your first band, like at least from like reading about y'all, it seemed like it kind of happened fast. Like you I went mean, from like, like they drive through fast. Yeah, for the most part, like, you know, we, we all started off in like, you know, little high school bands. Like I, I had a band with my still great friend, my buddy, Steve. And, uh, it was like, you know, we, we did like blink 182 and green day covers and stuff like that. <laughs> and right after that, that's when I met Ace and basically the early November, you know, started. And then, uh, I introduced him to Jeff. And the, it just kind of like snowball, but the band was, was signed right out of, uh, my graduating year of high school. So 2002. Wow. So it was basically like, I went from, you know, going to school every day. I went to a Catholic school in, in New Jersey, which was just to this day, I feel bad that my parents wasted their money on that. <laughs> It wasn't like when people think like private school, it wasn't like, you know, what you're thinking in your head, like rich kids. It was like, uh, I think a lot of parents that just went like, you know, we, we could kind of get by with this. And, and back then I, you know, a private school might've been $2,000 a year where now it's like, God knows what it could be 15 to 20 grand to put a kid in high school. I could be wrong. I mean, again, I don't know, but I remember somebody talking about it and I was like, Oh my God, it's that much. But yeah, I was, uh, I was not the, uh, I was not the school type of person. I think I was always, I was always just bored with it. And a lot of it, I knew like, I'm like, I'm never going to use this. Why am I, <laughs> why am I putting any effort into this? Mm -hmm. You know, you learn so much more on the road. It's just a different type of life lesson. You know, you're, you're 18 and you have to like slowly start figuring out like the business end of it and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, school kind of a, kind of a waste of time. If I could do it over again, I think I would have went to some sort of like, like vocational school where I could have learned to trade. Did your parents let you tour at 18? That is so rad. I guess they looked at it like this, like, it, it was, I didn't want to go to college at the time. So I was like, I'm going to take a year off. And I had actually left the band prior to us getting signed. And Ace reached out to me and was like, look, I know like you don't know if you want to tour the rest of your life, but their bass player at the time, who's a good friend of mine, he was a year younger than me. So he had to go back to high school. So I was going to originally fill in for a year. And then, you know, kind of figure out my life. Do I go to college or do I just get a job? What do I want to do? And then, uh, lo and behold, I ended up, uh, basically touring from 2002 to 2007 or eight. That's when we took like a, an indefinite hiatus for a few years. And then we had, we ended back up on the road in 2010 and 
I've been sporadically touring from 2002 till present time. My last tour was was uh, right before the pandemic hit that summer. So that's crazy. I never. I, I mean, outside of like, you know, for like a night or a weekend, like with friends bands, I never actually did touring life. At the time, I was like obsessed with it and wanted that life. Now, like as an adult, I'm like, oh god, that sounds terrible. It it really. I'm not saying it's really terrible. I mean, the thought at 37, yeah, know, to get back on the road for more than like a few days. For me personally, it it could either be like super fun where I'm like having too much of a good time, or like totally anxiety inducing where I'm like, oh man, I'm far from home. There's like another you know three weeks left of this. I'm tired. My back hurts. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. like total old man complaints. You know I what I mean? You have to probably get to at least some level of success to make the tour. I remember I was talking to my aunt, and she was telling me, like, laughing because um, she was talking to me about I think Red Fang got to like that certain level. Too. You know, they're they're not young men. They, they didn't hit it big until they're in, already in their forties. Yeah, but, like when they go on tour, she was telling me that like uh, they would like they only re- they're like you know they're on a bus and they get nice hotels and first class and all and and like they like days and pampered and, and so my aunt lives in um oh god somewhere in indiana bloomington indiana okay. and she i guess she has a record for like when my, my cousin sarah's band would come through for every time sarah, a band would come through like a diy band they would cancel the next show just to stay at her house because all touring bands would want like fresh socks internet a bath and a bed and then yeah she, uh, so sorry chicago if you ever missed an unwound show it's because of my aunt barbara <laughs> such a good host you, like, you gotta you gotta realize too, like the the internet was barely a thing when we started touring. Like we still had like I think about that. You had maps, like you had literal maps. Right? We had we had legitimate maps where we would have like a book where we would print out uh, everything prior to the tour, and then basically map our way around around the country. Like I don't even think we had a GPS like. Wow. On the, you know, like one of those portable ones that you hook up at that point. And I, re- I remember like having minutes on a cell phone to be like, um, all right, well, I could talk to my parents for three minutes here just to let them know like I'm alive and we made it <laughs> to the next, you know, the next stop or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, it was just, I, I remember going out like I, maybe I had like a hundred, 200 bucks in my pocket. And that was going to last like the summer. Now, oh, I could, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I could go to Applebee's for an hour and I end up spending 150 bucks. It's funny. Like you, you live off of that and you're like conscious of it. And, you know, this is prior to even like having per diems and stuff like that. Like we, we weren't paid yet. Um, we were just kind of living off of living off the land a little bit. Dude, that's, so crazy. I, mean, I, I can't even imagine that as an adult. Like at, at that age, it makes plenty of sense. But I guess the 37-year-old, I'm like, oh. Now, imagine if you looked in your account and you had 100 bucks in there, you'd freak out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd be like, uh. And then especially if, like, I'm away from home. And so, like, you know, from, like, research and stuff, like, I've been learning. Like, you have quite the reputation, too. Like, you you weren't, if anyone's not, was too familiar with Only November, you weren't exactly, like, an indie rock band where you just got up there and sat there and, like, you were going fucking ape shit, dude. I saw some nuts videos of you on YouTube of uh, jumping, uh, climbing things and jumping and uh, pretty high. 
like your, how do you, your body would take that toll? Like I can't imagine that. I'm like, all right, now go, go drive eight hours. Well, the, you know, when you're you're 18, it's like it's like being asleep in a car crash. Like it, you don't feel it, and God willing, you know, you, you don't get killed in the process. But when you're 37, like I still, when we play to, today, like I'm, you know, I, I say this when I talk to anybody on podcasts or just people that ask me, like. I'm not jumping into a crowd because I, I don't want a lawsuit and I don't want to hurt somebody, but we're still putting on, like, we're not up there just sta- staring at our feet, rocking and strumming. Like we're, we're still moving pretty hard for, uh, for any age, I think. So that definitely does take a toll when you, when you get to a hotel and you have like maybe five hours before you got to jump up because you got a, a 12 hour ride the next day. In, in a van because you know at this point at least w- when we were doing it back then when when we hit that level of getting a bus like buses were a thousand dollars plus a day from what i can remember so you do a 60 day tour that's 60 grand out of out of your pockets as a as a business right off the the bat so now you got you do it in a van you're, you're able to bring a little bit more home and not to say that you could just live off that sort of thing. Most most of the guys that do it all have a, either like a main hustle or or a side side hustle. So yeah, because yeah, I can imagine. Did you um, did you see that meme? Or I think maybe you shared it, but it's like a picture from early November at Surf and Skate Fest like years ago. But it's you in the crowd, and then someone like took it and memed it, and it was like, oh, that was me who memed it. Oh, it was so funny. Oh, that's funny because I don't know who I, I saw it shared not from your profile. I thought somewhere I must have shared it. it was like me, my anxiety, cars, bills, whatever. It was hilarious. Oh, and it actually got reposted. That's that's funny, right? I don't know. Who, it was, I think maybe it was returned to the pit or something. It was so fucking funny. I uh, yeah, once in a while I drop I drop a good humor humorous uh, <laughs> post here and there to make myself laugh at least. So, and, and so in my eyes too like you're also in like that golden age of drive records it was like, definitely like at at the or at least what i like from what i can remember like feeling it felt like we were in the in the midst of the of the peak success with the label like every band on there was was really like if not blowing up had like a, a pretty you know strong following and the label just as a whole was was like number one at the time. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. Richard and Stephanie like just took that thing, and then, then you know they got didn't they they got bought up by what's it EMI? DMG. I, I, I it was I believe it was oh, one of those uh, Geffen. That that's who. That's what it was. Cause I remember that was a whole big legal. Um, yeah, I, I was deeply into all these things and all that. And like, anytime, uh, even back then, like, I think it was like, oh, wait, I remember I used to listen to the, the throw on the first podcast I ever listened to was called the Alternative Press Podcast. And oh. it was like 2008. I remember like Richard and Stephanie being like some of the first people I ever listened to in a podcast and fascinating people. And then, you know, drive through. I'm, I'm glad to see it's kind of now having this like resurgence of big people give a shit about drive through. Because there's a period that was like my whole life. I had all the DVDs. I had all the, you know, like, well, like you know, inform me, like, is is because I, I don't even know. Is the label like back running? No, it's gone. 
at one point, Richard was going to do this podcast. We like got to the planning stage and then just kind of, and then never ended up happening. I think it's completely gone. I think they're off doing something completely different. I don't know. I don't want to speak ill, but like, I, bet, I don't know how much truth it is, but there was some supposedly within the music community, there's some sketchy stuff, I guess, with him. So people were kind of staying away for a while. I mean, look, I don't know. Uh, people always tend to, to talk not like sexual about. assault or a rape or anything like that. It was I. So I have this is no credibility at all. I, I heard this third hand from like a different podcast. But apparently, it was just some some band was telling a story about how like they got signed and like Richard like wanted to walk on their back. So like nothing like that is like offensive to the point where you're yeah, like, this, this was like a. I mean, this was a real thing. It wasn't he? He always had a bad back from what I remember. And oh, like, okay. So kind of just misconstrued. He'd be like, could you walk on my back? I walk, like, I know a lot of people that walked on his back. Like, it was nothing, like, fucking weird. I just thought it was funny. Uh, all right, so maybe, maybe that got misconstrued into something. But, you, but at the time, sense. at the time, you know, I'm sure, like, you hear, like, this guy of a certain age has, like, young dudes walking on his back. It sounds a lot creepier uh, than, it, than it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was never, uh, I never felt any, any sort of, uh, weirdness or, or anything with them. Like they were always good to us, you know, like whenever business is involved, you have your falling outs and your issues. But I mean, at the end of the day, like they, they did treat us well. So that's, that's pretty good. And that's nice to hear. Uh, and, and you got to do some pretty sick tours too. Like, like bands as they were pretty big or before they blew up, I guess like brand new was in there. It's funny you say brand new. It's right where my uh, mind just went to. Like we, we were torn with brand new opening up for them. Like right as uh, Dejan Tendu came out, and my God, and these were like maybe like five hundred to like a thousand seat rooms. So it was still like fairly small rooms, even though it's a lot of people. Maybe it was even smaller than that. Maybe it was a you know, somewhere between a couple hundred and a thousand, but it was, uh, it was a, a crazy time to, to be on tour. When you think of it, like those shows were nuts and I'm sure a million people would want to see brand new, uh, every day for, for 30 to 50 days, which we, we got to do. Um, and like, which is pretty, I mean, I think it's, and I think, I mean, that's my personal favorite of theirs. Um, I mean, I love, I love the first two a lot. And I had fallen off of them before all the stuff came out years later, but I, I'm more of a, I don't know, you, I'm kind of like a, like, yeah, I don't want to say I separate the art from the artist, but. No, but yeah. I get what you mean. It's a, you know, like. Yeah. It's like when they're like, oh, well, R. Kelly's a piece of crap. We can't listen to him anymore. I'm like, well, I've never listened to R. Kelly in my entire life. So that's really easy for me. But when it's like brand new, I'm like, that's so much attached. I have so much memories from high school and friends and like it's, it it you know it takes on its own thing. It's it's, it's beyond Jesse and the gang. It's, it's it's me. It's my relationship to it at, at this point. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, and like you know, it's. I mean, it's definitely odd when you hear these things. You go, oh, like, it's, yeah, I don't like it. You go, oh, holy shit! But then I say it to myself all the time. Like everybody's kind of fucking crazy and fucked up in their own way, and you know, it's. I'm not justifying when people do terrible shit, but it's like, it's like you wonder how much. How much more is out there that you just never hear about with with whomever? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so 
very uh very bizarre but again good band <laughs> it was good music like at the end of the day it's just but yeah but anyway we don't need to get into all that controversial stuff because that's not what we're here for no. that so awesome to like yeah just getting to be around that like being around someone having that experience and being part of it you know like you're getting to play shows every night and i've seen them live they're incredible the, the times i've seen them play they're incredible yeah it was it was definitely nuts and because like you know at at the time like we were really going crazy on stage so it's kind of like these bands push one another you know you, you have your opening act going bananas and then of course the headliner wants to you know go over the top with it so it's just like these very wild uh crazy shows and I, I could be wrong but i think count the stars was on that tour too who also, oh, i used to love them i saw them once I, I, I still keep in touch with uh clark the bass player me and oh, him were always you know sick as thieves together out on the road it was we did a lot of tours with them like very early uh stages of fallout boy before they like you know wow. became superstars so yeah Oh, were you surprised? Not surprised, but like, because you can, you know, they're, they're, you always have this hope that you're going to meet talent and be like, this guy's going to be a star one day. But at least in my experience, um, that doesn't seem to happen. It's always like, really? That guy? Like, because at the end of the day, there's just no, there's no answer. There's no answers, right? There's just, it's just, it's just timing and luck. I think a, a lot of it is, is timing and luck. Like, you know, when you see your peers, um, kind of exploding to this next level it's like of course you're you're happy and excited for them but there's also like this this natural jealousy that's like well why not us you know what i mean oh yeah of course and um, i think i think that's normal and i think the the i i have that all the time with the podcast and i think i've i've had to teach myself to like allow yourself to have that thought have those feelings for a little bit keep them very private like allow it and then then focus on being happy for them but yeah of course yeah, yeah. i mean like it happens all the time to me i would have loved at this age to have been like yeah man i you know i retired from the band we tour in the summer <laughs> once a summer and yeah uh, and then i run a little coffee shop by the beach that i really enjoy just <laughs> spending the rest of my days at you know but it doesn't happen for everybody and and then there's people that look at you know what i got to do and they go like well why the hell did he get to do this and my band never you know unfortunately left like a local scene so there's always different levels and uh the grass is always kind of greener on the other side you know it's funny too it doesn't matter what level you're at either i, I guarantee you the rolling stones are still having this conversation oh, why the Beatles? The Beatles. What the hell? The Beatles broke up. They were banned for five years. We've been on the road for sixty of them, and we're still. What? It, like it doesn't. Like it doesn't matter who you are. But everyone always like you just it's never happy. Not not happy, but like it doesn't matter. Every level, we all wherever you get to, you just look to the next person. And be like, why am I not them? I, I think it, it to some uh, extent, it's like a good thing to always have that drive to want to be like bigger and better than what you what you you know are, but. Also, I think you have to be content sometimes with how lucky you get in life or, you know, I, I try to think in a way that I say, like, I'm thankful for the things that, like, I have. And I'm also really thankful for the things I don't have because it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. I, I really I like that. Yeah. So, 
you know, I don't, I don't always practice what I preach. I tend to complain a, a lot, but yeah, <laughs> at the same time, like, you know, I, I did have these little uh, epiphanies and moments where I go like, all right, you know, things aren't, things aren't that bad. What is, uh, what is the biggest crowd you all played in front of? Oh man. I, I would imagine somewhere on like, it was either Warp Tour 2004, maybe 2006. And we would, I think it was 2004, we, we were playing um, main stage. And with Warp Tour, you kind of like, you get a, a different time slot every day. But for the most part, we would get like wedged in between like, say like Coheed and Cambria, like No FX and, and uh, Taking Back Sunday, which were like the major draws on that tour. So we'd be stepping out, and there, there could be anywhere for who knows, a, a thousand to to ten thousand people. It looked like, like as far as the eye could see, and you know, at the time, like, not to say you don't appreciate it, but you're just like, it becomes the norm. You're like, oh man, this is like it's awesome, but like, oh, this crowd's not as big as yesterday, or this one's ten times mm-hmm. bigger. Like you're always looking to 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 kind of go out there and play for the biggest crowd uh you could you could think but it was definitely from what i remember that uh that tour being like the the largest crowds we played to on a day-to-day compared to like a you know a, a headlining club tour or something like that that's so cool i can't even imagine yeah i only went to work tour once in my entire life like a fool Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I've gone aside from touring. I, I've gone pretty much every year from like 14 to 18 and then literally 18, our first U S tour that we did that summer was a warp tour. We played on the drive through stage and I, that's when I wasn't playing. I was actually just selling merch for the band. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So that, to what we were talking about earlier, I came out on tour. I was going to sell merch for the summer and then play the following year and then, you know, figure out things. But it just happened to be that, you know, I ended up having a a 20 year career (laughs) with the band. Was like, when you were younger, did you want to be a musician? Like I did, but I always had, I always had this, like, like I'm the type of person, if, if you said to me right now, like, there's five people in this room, you have to, like, get up in front of them and, like, do a presentation. Like, I would throw up on myself. Like, I have that kind of stage fright. Yeah. But I think once I figured out, like, guitar in hand and, like, that I was somewhat in control, like, people weren't just, like, gawking at me because I'm up there talking. It was more like it's up to me to like put on a show and entertain people. That's when I started to lose that feeling of, uh, of stage fright where it came back is when I started doing like all my solo stuff and I would go play these like very small, like little club gigs here and there. I was like, Holy shit. Like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm built for this, this like freaks me out. And it slowly became a little bit easier. And funny enough, it was, probably two weeks before um, the pandemic hit, I ended up playing 
in a big room in Atlantic City to like five people completely solo on acoustic guitar. And I, I was like, like scared to death about it, but, but I pulled it off and it went really well. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. And then two years later, I haven't touched the stage since. <laughs> well, that wasn't your fault. A lot of that wasn't your fault. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And, yeah. You know, yeah it's, that's funny. I can imagine, like, I could, in my head, I'd be like, well, playing in front of a lot of people sounds harder than playing in front of two people. But I bet you there's more of a cognitive dissonance when there's, like, when you can't see the faces after a certain point versus, like, those three people are going to talk to me afterwards. Yeah. And, like, also at this age, and I, I say this jokingly, but it's serious, like, our fans are as old as us, if not older. They typically yeah. are married with children at this point, have careers. So when they come out to our shows, that might be like the one night in four months that they get to go out and like have fun. And I, you know, you notice as you get older, like these people are pretty drunk by the time you get on at the end, at the end of the night. And, oh my uh, God, that's so me. It, it, not to say it makes it easier, but it's like, you know, someone that drunk isn't really judging you. They're just there to have a good time. Remember that, remember that band? Oh my God. Yeah. And it, it's cool. I, I, I'm personally like in love that like the, I guess the younger generation is kind of like, the, if you, like, I don't know if you're, if you're still like, if you're following current like pop music today, but like all of the, all the pop, they're all going back to the stuff that we grew up with. Like all the stuff I loved in high school is now like all the like, and rap, it's like rap, all the like all the rappers are getting really into pop punk and like sampling excessive sale and Silverstein and it's I think it's awesome. Like I'm I mean, like it's, I'm, it's crazy. Like um, like this was just the other day. I was supposed to go and I ended up uh, not being able to because I wasn't wasn't around. But um, Mod's son, I'm sure you're familiar with Mod. Yeah, yeah. He was like the way we met him he was like a huge early november fan he might have been like 13 and him his mom and his sister came to our show and we were like sleeping on people's floors at the time and they were like please like you know you guys feel free to stay over they were so sweet wow we all stayed in touch over the years like one way or the other and and uh now he's like he's blowing up he's Huge. He's like superstardom. You know what I mean? He's really good, too. Oh, he's, and, and he's such a good uh, person. Like, you know, I haven't seen him in a lot of years, but he was always a genuine dude. Um, so it's it's cool to, to kind of see that stuff happen. And it falls right in line with what you were talking about. Like, you know, he kind of came out like as a rap artist. And now it's, I don't know what you would call it. It's like, it's like hip hop and punk pop punk and well they call it the mon and they it's called like the mono genre and then I, I personally love it because it's just like it just takes all these it just takes different types of genres and puts it all together which is like a lot of the stuff I've always loved I was like that's how it should I, like especially when, when we were younger like at least in our scene like one of the unwritten rules of the scene ethics where I was like hip-hop didn't like you just you didn't you weren't allowed to like rap I know it sounds stupid but it really I really would felt hard on that like I had I was like really into hip hop, got into punk, and then like hip hop was like shunned. And even though, and, and, and you know, young and dumb, but it's crazy. So it's cool to see the younger kids. Like, I I I I love the new Machine Gun Kelly album. I don't know any of his other stuff. I don't really care about him as a person, but the album is great. 
See, it, it, it's funny you say that because, like, I think back to being in, like, seventh grade. And I, you know, at the time I was like, do I have, like, an identity crisis? Like, I was a skater, but I liked punk music. I liked hip-hop. Mm -hmm. I, I dressed kind of all over the place. Like, I had this, like, almost, like, gangster-esque look, but, like, giant Jenko jeans. And yep. I'm like... I'm like, now this is what's cool again somehow. I know. Maybe I was a little bit ahead of my time. I didn't That's know. exactly where I grew up. Yeah, like, uh, where, where in Jersey are you from? I am from uh, South Jersey. So we sit right in between, uh, like, Philadelphia and Atlantic City. So oh, okay. 20 minutes yeah. to Philly and then, like, yeah. 35, 40 minutes to Atlantic City. And then the band itself is out of Hamilton, which um, – was basically like a little farm town in between me and Atlantic City. And now it's, you know, like everything else, it gets like gentrified and built up and there's a main street that's like hip and all that jazz. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah that's, that's a part of Jersey I'm not familiar with at all. I'm, I've always spent more time in the northern. So, like, was there a scene where you were in that part of Jersey? Like, I, I knew the North Jersey scene. I hear a lot about the Central Jersey scene. North and Central was definitely, like, where people would always, like, uh, associate Jersey bands. Yeah. Um, we lean a little bit more towards, like, if there was, like, a Philly scene, but we were still definitely playing, like, VSWs and, and house shows, and there would be bands that came. It's crazy, because, like, we were – imagine, like, you're a kid. You're going to a show. The bands are kids, but, like, the bands that we were playing with – was like the starting line, hidden in plain view. Um, you know, right as we got signed, that's when like we started playing shows with like Census Sale. Um, but like again, they were in these like little VFWs. So like they'd come down to us and we'd be like the headlining act or we'd go up to them and then they, they would headline their area. Um, and we didn't do a ton of that stuff together, but we were kind of or kind of uh both doing it like on our own right before we all got signed and we got signed within like a few months of one another so now, i remember sense of sale being a band that got more shit than any band in that time frame and uh they're still around you know i i like if you go back to like when i was in that in like the early 2000s and you just like make a guess of what bands would be active 20 plus years later and Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they even have any gaps. I think I think I think it's just been Buddy and rotating members. But like, it's definitely uh, just, just Buddy at this point. Um, yeah, it's funny too because like I always got along with those guys because they were they were wild, and I was like out of the out of our band. Like everybody was pretty, you know, not to say quiet, but I was like the the rowdy guy. I wanted to be partying all the time. And, yeah, same you know, like hanging out and meeting people and this and that. So like I always got along with them and uh you know, you're 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 kids. Like you're putting that that no responsibility world where you're you're nineteen and you're like, Oh, I could get drunk and stoned and not care and get in trouble and who's gonna stop me type of thing. But you look back on it now that you're an adult and you go like, holy, like, how do we live through some of that stuff? Like our first week out on tour, and this is like a story everybody knows, like we flipped a van down a ditch in the middle of the night. A week later, got a brand new van stolen. It was just like, Jeez. yeah, it was, it was, we needed like some kind of uh, supervision. 
you know? Right. Did you play any of those like legendary Jersey like halls that I that I always hear about, like the Wayne Firehouse and I definitely played Wayne. Um we had a place down here called Eugene's that I don't know if that's considered legendary, but it was like in my head at the time I'm like, Oh yeah, we're playing like Eugene's. That was like a big deal to me. <laughs> um but yeah, we've we've definitely played uh for the most part, like all over um, with these, with these like little VFW shows, we we were playing VFW shows like in in odd parts of the country at like Fallout Boy, and there'd be like a hundred people there. Damn, that's so cool. Yeah, that's. I remember like I have a friend of mine in college who was from Illinois or something, and the closest music he can get to was like five hours away. And I was like, it, it didn't realize how special it was because of being in the Northeast. Or then, like, you meet people in California, like, well, we don't have a basement scene because we don't have basements. Like, you know, it's it's such yeah, a, it's bizarre. It's, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, like, it, it's such a hyper specific thing that is. And I guess, I mean, I know it's across the country, but I guess at this point in history, like, New Jersey gets to, uh, you know, the claim for it. Of like really, at least to my knowledge, I can be wrong. Like New Brunswick and stuff, it's like it's it blows. It just blows my mind too. Like I know I love looking at like people like archive old flyers and stuff, and it's just so funny to look at these. Like you look at these shows of, of like like you know early November, and then like like what well, you were like saying the the, the meme thing the other day. Like someone asked me in a in a photo, and I'm like I'm like look at me like I look 12 years old like this was a long time ago I would not to say I would forget that specific moment but like all that kind of like blends together so when you see these like old flyers old pictures I'll I'll randomly be like looking at something in my parents house like uh, you know my mom will be like oh this is where I keep all your your like publications and like you know, I, I look at stuff and I go like, oh, my God, I forgot. Like, we got this ma- magazine article or, you know, a feature on MTV2 or something like that. So it's – I do like to go down memory lane sometimes. Um, I was just – I was I just was talking to um, – no, cats. Like, someone sent me, like, a flyer and, and for a, a Jersey show I had gone to. And I had no – and I remember meeting them, but it was – I didn't realize it was My Chemical Romance's first, like, proper New Jersey show. And like Folly was the headliner, and like it was like Folly the banner. I don't remember who else. And like, and the bottom of it is this little teeny tiny band, My Chemical Romance. And then you know, flash forward now, and you're like, wow, another Jersey band, right? And another Jersey, yeah. Or you like look at, I mean, Jack Antonoff was in Steel Train, and now he works with Taylor Swift. Like, oh my God, I think about that. Like Steel Train got signed right as we got signed, mm-hmm. and we would sit. It was. Um, it was him and uh, a, a kid named Scott. That was the band. And, like, Jack didn't even sing. He just played guitar, and he was, like, so good at guitar. And there were, like, these, like, hippie dudes, like, from New York. So to us, we were, like, or at least for me, I remember being, like, oh, man, these guys look, like, so cool. And you start, like, wanting to get into, like, the fashion side of it. And, like, I know I'm talking all over the place, but this stuff's, like, kind of com- coming back to me where I'm, like, there was a lot of talent in in these rooms. Um, you know, like not not to drop names, but I can remember like him dating Scarlett Johansson and her being being at a show just like any normal you know normal person would be. And you you think like, wow, these people really. Oh, I forgot about that. He he dated Scarlett before that she was famous, right? 
I think she had done, uh, like, uh, what was that movie called? Ghost World? Yeah, um, it, yeah that is cr- Did you get to meet Skojo back then? Yeah, but it was very much like, oh, this is my girlfriend, you know, like the same yeah. way somebody would introduce me to their their wife or girlfriend, and you go, hey, how are you? Like, we knew she was, like, in a movie, but we weren't, like, it wasn't, oh, this yeah. is, like, a super famous person. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I would random, we would randomly run into him, and, like, you know, the guys in Fall Out Boys, everybody, like, really started to, to take off and become their own you know, mega famous in some way. And there's, there's so many people you would like meet weirdly backstage at like Warp Tour. Like I remember like meeting Drew Barrymore just briefly, but it was, it was just like, you, as a kid, you don't expect to ever come mm-hmm. face to face with these people. Um, I would like, I was in love with uh, Juliette Lewis. I, I still know that. I love her. Was, yeah. But she was, uh, she did Warp Tour that, that year I was talking about, um, with Juliet and Alex. And I remember just, you know, every day talking to her at lunch or, hey, what time do you play today? And, and I look back on this stuff and I go like, how bizarre. <laughs> like, such a weird, weird life I lived. And sometimes like, you know, I go like, oh, it was, it was boring or it wasn't enough. And then like, I take the time to, uh, like I said, go down memory lane a little bit. I'm just like, wow, a lot of a lot of wild shit went down. Yeah, that's so funny. And then it's like, I don't, so then you know, I don't know if you had to like flash forward and like get like a, a job like a normal. <laughs> like, was that a hard transition? Well, yeah, because when when we what, went on, skip? well, that, that's that's just it. Like, not not to be funny, but like when we went on our first hiatus, I was like, you know, like what am I gonna do to just like get by? And I. I will never forget this moment. I had a friend who was like a manager at Zoomies. And um, she was like, look, I could get you a job. Like, it's not bad here. Like, you get paid commission, this, that, and the other. I went to like three days worth of training. I'll never forget. They slid me like my pay. Like, face. imagine this. Like, the numbers written down on a piece of paper, face down. They slid it across the table as if I was going to like – have an option to be like, oh, I think I need a little bit more. It was $7.25 an hour. The first day I ever worked retail in my life was Black Friday. And I remember them saying to me, hopefully people will recognize you from the band. We're going to put you in the front of the store. And I died inside and was like, I don't want to fucking do this. I like worked... They would like, they had this weird thing where they would just like call you out of the blue to be like, oh, we could use you. So you didn't have like a normal shift or whatever. But then uh, shortly thereafter, I ended up getting a job driving for FedEx, which at the time was like a really good job for somebody in their early 20s. I was making good money. And then I ended up going back on tour. Um, And it wasn't until the band, not like split up, it took like, like we're not going to be touring 10 months a year anymore. I moved to uh, New York city and I, I would go on interview after interview and people would just kind of be like, so where did you go to college? And, and I would have to, you know, talk myself out of that hole, <laughs> but no one would friggin' hire me. And then I got a sales job with a, um, a home remodeling company that ended up becoming like the number one home remodeling company in the country and I was in like the top 10% of 
of all their offices in sales. It's just something clicked with it, and I was really good at it. And since yeah, then, personality, yeah. Since then, I just I've uh, done different sales jobs, um, and I, I've been pretty successful with it. But I think after like the last uh, you know year and a half, I was just kind of like, is this really what I want to do the the rest of my life? It's like a very rat racy kind of job. Like I, I'm not a corporate guy by any means, but like I know how to play the game when, when mm. I have to. Yeah. Um, but you know, now I'm just kind of like, well, I'll figure it out like I always <laughs> do. That's so crazy. So the, when does the solo stuff start? So the the record just came out actually on the 17th, the EP. Um, that's my third uh, release. I released the first one in, in 2019. Then uh, 2020, 2021 was was my last record. And then this one just came out uh, about a week or so ago. The Outcast and the Alchemist. It's really good, too. That's, that's the, yeah, it's the single. So the, the record itself is called uh, A Hodgepodge of Modern Furniture. And oh, that's, you know what? I wrote, down, I wrote it down being all clever, and I totally wrote down the song name and not the <laughs> Spotify only had the one song up. Because I had the link you would sent me, too. But I was listening to Spotify today. That's right. That's right. It was, what was it? Hodge, it had a really cool name. A Hodgepodge of Modern Furniture and Antiques, which is a mouthful. <laughs> I love that. It's so great, and then that's so. Cool. Are, are you gonna like? I know with the pandemic and everything, are you are you touring or are you just doing like one offs? Well, as of right now, for for someone at my level, like you know, to be as real as can be, like to afford to go on like a full tour would be next to impossible. Yeah, um, especially like if I was trying to headline. But I definitely see myself doing like little one off shows in the future. It's just I've got to the point now where it's like. Not to say I'm bored with playing somewhere acoustic, but like I want to, I want to put a legitimate band together and and get out there. Like when I when I record, it's it's mostly like you know me and and uh, an engineer or a producer, depending on like uh, who I'm working with at the time. But I've never had like a collective band that we get together and like you know write songs and and stuff it's like buddies of mine that'll send tracks in and, and yeah. come in the studio and play on it and with this one it was it was near impossible to do because we were in the midst of the pandemic so like when i first went into my friend's home studio like we were still wearing masks and like sitting nowhere near one another just to be as safe as possible to to um you know record and then Parts that I couldn't play, parts that I couldn't play, um, we actually had two guys, uh, one out of Chicago and one's out of Michigan. They would send us tracks. And then two of my uh, buddies from a band called Bother None, who, who are actually currently filling in on the early November tour. They, they uh, played some guitar and then uh, the drummer did my drum tracks. So, That's awesome. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was cool how it all came together and it was very much you know a lot of like puzzle pieces like something would come in and we'd go like all right now that's that's the direction like we should play around with but it was it was definitely out of all the ones i've recorded the the oddest way i went about it and it you know it, it took uh, about six months just because we would 
only do like these couple hour sessions once a week. Well, you guys are all like, you know, buds and and whatever like that, like still in for each other on different tours and still working together in some facet. Yeah, yeah, like you know, and and that just happened to be uh, by dumb luck. Like I met two of the guys when I was uh, recording in a in Ace's studio, and we stayed friends and. Um, my buddy Kyle, who, who engineered everything, mixed and mastered the whole nine. He, uh, he was just like an old friend of mine that we've, we've for a while been like, Oh, we should get together and, you know, record something. And it just happened to be at all, it all fell in place. Oh, that is so, I, I love that stuff. What else? And I, I guess, and podcasts, and I always say it's kind of replaced like what the scene was for me. And that's kind of how that is with us too. It just, you meet people, you just get, get along, and then you're like, yeah, let's work together, and sometimes it turns into something cool, and I love that stuff. I, but uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I've been really digging the album. It's, uh, it, uh, it gets you in the feels. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, look, the, the best way I, I could describe that record is just, I took a year and a half of what I was feeling and put it into a 15-minute EP to sum up every every oddball emotion and, and stress and anxiety and worry that, you know, a lot of people I'm sure experience. Yeah. Right. The, the same way. It's, it's one of the rare times that, you know, collectively the world sees something in the same vein as one another. And it's probably the only time in our lives that that many people will, will kind of be in the same situation, you know? Absolutely. And like that, that's something beauty of like, well, we're all, we're all miserable. I mean, look, there's, there's, you know, the, you, you think you're alone sometimes and, uh, the feelings you're having or, or like how things are panning out, especially during that type of, yeah, uh, time. But it's the God honest truth that, um, you know, everybody kind of was just like you said, <laughs> miserable and confused and, yep, and worried and scared and all, all the, uh, things we don't want to be. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, this has been such a, a blast. Is there anything like we missed? Or if not, like where can people find you online and plug your pluggables? Um, you can basically find all of my stuff on any of your uh, preferred streaming sites. Also, uh, if you go to Sergio underscore Anello on um, on uh, Instagram, it'll have the link to my band camp and the online store. If you like physical copies, I have uh, CDs of this one for sale uh, still, and there's a handful of uh, actual vinyl from my my uh, prior Ooh. release, No Heavier Burden. So you you could pretty much hear me any any of those spots that that you uh that you listen to music on. Awesome. Oh, man, thank you uh, so much for doing this. This is a ton of fun. And, um, yeah, best of luck with everything. This is, this is cool. I'm, I'm totally going to jam the rest of that record when I go home again today. Ah, oh, dude, of course, and I appreciate that. And, you know, it's funny. We've been talking about doing it for a while, so I'm glad we, uh, we actually – I know. It got to a point. I was like, we, we, put, we put too much work into this. This has to happen. Yeah, we can't, we can't just uh, fall short on this now. Yeah, which I'm kind of guilty of frequently in my life. So I'm working. I'm like, no, just follow through. Awesome. Awesome. Do your thing, dude. We'll, uh, we'll catch up. Hello, Meat Popsicles. Why don't you grab your multipass, a drink, and come sit with us? Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. Let's do this. 
Join us and let's talk about science fiction topics in books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget your multipasses.